We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for October 14th, 2013, and we're going to continue on with the reports. Next report, shelves in Walmart stores in Spring Hill and Mansfield, Louisiana reportedly cleared Saturday night when the stores allowed purchases on EBT cards, even though they were not showing limits. So now we have the exact reverse scenario. Some of the EBT cards, and this is why I think this was a beta test, because they were seeing what would happen if the people that had EBT cards had all of a sudden had no limits showing, meaning you could buy as much as you could get your grubby mitts on. Or what would happen if you couldn't buy anything and your EBT card stopped working totally? So there was both scenarios beta tested by... The New World Order by Big Brother that night, that day. So now we have the exact opposite going on. Well, here's what happens. The chaos that followed ultimately required intervention from local police and left behind numerous shopping carts filled to overflowing. Apparently abandoned when the glitch-spurred shopping frenzy ended. Spring Hill Police Chief confirms they were called in to help the employees at Walmart because there were so many people clearing off the shelves. He says Walmart was so packed it was worse than Black Friday, worse than anything they've ever seen. Linda explained the cards were showing, weren't showing limits. They were not showing limits. Meaning, sky's the limit on what you could buy. And they were, and they called corporate Walmart whose spokesman said to let the people use the cards anyway. Now, this is exactly why I believe this is a beta test. Walmart, Big Brother, China Mart, Central. On a very local level, beta tests this and says, yeah, let the fur fly. Let's see what happens with these EBT card users. Let's see what happens. Will they they do the right thing or are they going to do the wrong thing? And, um... So they said, yeah, let it go, let it go. Walmart spoke service said, use the, let them use them. So from it was only from 7 to 9 p.m. that this happened. Only a two-hour window. People were loading up their cards, but when the cards started showing limits again around 9, because the beta test was over, and let's face it, Walmart doesn't want to lose any more money than it has to, one woman was detained because she rang up a $700 bill and only had 49 cents on her card. And she knew darn well she only had 49 cents. But she was, you know, this is just out-and-out looting, really. It's it's looting from um, uh, a controlled standpoint, I guess. It's, It's looting without actually bashing the windows in and breaking and entering. It's still stealing, you know. She was held by police until the corporate Walmart said they wouldn't press charges if she left the food. Lynn says at 9 p.m. when the cards came back online and it was announced over the loudspeaker, people just left their carts full of food in the aisles in the left. This is what kind of pigs that we're dealing with here that did this. I'm not saying everybody that has an EBT card would do this, but in this particular case, the word got out and these Pigs showed up, these thieves showed up, filled their carts to overflowing, and then when when, when they found out the jig was up and the EBT cards started showing limits, they just left everything. Let somebody else deal with it. This is the quality and caliber of people that are going to be mass rioting and killing on a national level level very, very, very soon, I believe. This was just one day of partial glitches in different states across America. This was nothing more than a beta test for the real thing. The one guy says, just about everything is gone. I've never seen it in that condition. Uh, Walmart employees could still be seen putting food from the carts away as late as Sunday afternoon. I mean you know, quite a while later. I mean, I'm going to play the audio, but you can go watch the video and you can see all of these carts that were left behind. It is unbelievable. The, this, the absolute shelves are totally bare. This is just what a little bit of, of, 
of enticement, evidently, by Satan, turns people into. If they can get away with it, it's human nature. They're going to do it. For most, for people that won't police themselves, for people that have no conscience, they've had their conscience seared with a hot iron. This is no big deal. No big deal. Now, I'm going to go ahead and play this, this audio for this because I wasn't going to do it and then, and then I saw it and I said, no, there's, there's more, there, there's things on the audio that I can't convey. It's actually a video we're watching, but you're going to hear the audio that I really can't properly convey by just talking about this. Um, on the heels of the chaos in 17 states, which resulted in EBT card failures and the ongoing U.S. government shutdown, today, 40-year veteran Robert Fitzwilson warns, quote, the failure of the food stamp system in 17 states yesterday and reports of outbreaks of hostility gives us a glimpse of our fate as our collective winter approaches. What if this happens in winter? And there's what if there's no electricity on top of this? What if there's a pandemic in, on top of this? What if there's martial law, false flag nuke? What, what, you add any of these other scenarios in there, and it just compounds everything. He now believes the current system is finished. And this is just, again, this is just beta testing, really. Um, what we're seeing here. I'm going to go ahead and roll this video. Hi, good evening. I'm Dominique Ben. Thanks so much for joining us for KSLA News Talk Weekend at 10. The shopping frenzy happened at the Walmarts in Mansfield and in Spring Hill. KSLA News Talk's Victoria Shirley explains what happened and shows you the chaos that was all caught on tape. Walmart shoppers in two Arklatex towns looking to do some grocery shopping on Sunday found bare shelves and empty food bins. It's about everything is gone. I've never seen uh, in, in that condition. It's almost like they're half laughing about it, though. The the people they're interviewing, they're they're about half laughing about it. Shopper Anthony Fuller says the big box store in Mansfield looked like someone raided it. He's not far off. Hundreds packed both the Mansfield and Spring Hill Walmart Saturday night. Once word spread, they were accepting electronic benefit transfers or EBT cards with no limits. Police were called in to control the crowd. Now, I'm really sorry. Again, this isn't politically correct, but basically the ones that I can see in here, the only ones I, I can really identify doing this, they're all black. Now, oh, you're prejudiced. You're ra- I'm just telling you. I'm stating facts. Okay? I'm not, I'm just reporting on this. Hill Police Chief Will Lind says people piled their cars full of food for two hours. They're all blacks. But when balances started showing up on cards again, people rushed out, abandoning their carts and leaving behind a huge just mess. Just pigs. Because they, they, they're not going to be able to get away with stealing it, so they just leave everything there. Now, do I think... All, no, I'm not saying all black people are that way, but I'm saying in this particular instance, it was virtually all blacks that I could identify doing this. Okay? I'm sorry, but that is what the video proof shows. Am I supposed to apologize for their behavior because I'm a white person? If I was a black person reporting on this, I would be getting no flack at all. I might be getting some flack from the blacks saying, hey man, you know, you're not a whatever. But I'm just saying. One man captured the aftermath with cell phone video. Man, this is not real, bro. Oh, when we walked through the door, it looked like a tornado had came through. OJ Evans and a friend were there to buy a t-shirt, but when they saw dozens of full and abandoned carts, he only thought one thing. I was just thinking Facebook and Instagram. The shelves empty. Shelves are empty. I would venture to say probably hundreds of carts loaded. This was from 7 till 10. This is what type of evidently network they must have. Now, I talked about when the riots break out and they've got this, you know, with the smartphones and everything... The ability for gangs in this particular thing to communicate with one another and to have flash mobs and things of this nature. 
They were able to mobilize a massive amount of people in a very short time frame window to the point when they stopped, cards stopped working, they were looked to be, the, the share, shelves were totally bare of all this food they were attempting to steal, which is what it was, it was outright thievery and theft, stealing, crime, a, a criminal, they were all committing criminal acts, and they all knew it. They all knew it. And then when, when the jig was up, they just walked away. And I guess I'm supposed to apologize for that. He heard laughing in the video. <laughs> Evan says he felt... Oh, he he's laughing, though. Uh, it's funny. It's weird, because the, all the people, except two people that interviewed here, were laughing about it, and all the ones that thought it was funny were the black people. And I don't understand that. But they all kind of... I mean, it's almost like, hey, if I would have been there, I would have done it, too. They just beat me to the punch. They think it's funny. What, what's wrong with that scenario? I don't understand that bad for the employees that would have to restock the food. I was just thinking, oh my God, I'm so glad my mom doesn't work here anymore. Oh, Evans believes it was natural human reaction that led people to fill up their carts during the glitch. The couple standing... A natural human reaction to commit mass criminal acts of stealing? What kind of mindset would you have to be in to say that? I don't understand that. I don't understand that. You reap what you sow. If you go in there and you steal a cart full of groceries, it's going to come back on you. What comes around goes around. I guess he does. He thinks that's a natural human reaction. This is how darkened that guy's mind is. And I guess that's just the norm, evidently. Now, these people didn't feel that way, that it was a natural human reaction, the ones they're going to interview right now. And Judy Garcia feel very differently. That's plain theft. That's stealing. That's all i got to say about it. We asked Walmart spokesperson Kayla Wick. Uh, thank you for, for some perspective there. One person says it's natural human reaction. Do you think that he may be part of this whole entitlement society? Hey, if it's something free, if it's something the government's given away, or if it's something I can get away with, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And the other guy's like, no. Uh, that's thievery. Totally different mindsets. They were the only two white people interviewed. Now you're really going over the edge. Listen, I'm just documenting... In this particular case, you could have the another case where you had blacks saying that it was wrong, okay? I'm not saying that, that I'm demonizing all blacks. I'm just saying, in this particular instance, for this particular news report, it was very, once again, very lopsided, okay? <laughs> so, I guess I'm supposed to apologize for that, because I'm white, though. I'm supposed to feel bad about that. Because I'm white. And, and again, this is the whole thing of who's really prejudiced here when it comes to this particular subject. You keep your mouth shut, Whitey. You keep it shut. Because you're a racist for daring to say such a thing. But I'm just reporting on evil that I see. I don't care if it was Muslims doing the evil. I don't care if it was gays doing the evil. I don't care if it was lesbians doing the evil or pro-abortion. I'm going to report on it. I'm going to report on what I'm seeing. Well, you're, you're seeing from a totally um, prejudicial perspective. I am? I'm letting them talk for... They're the ones saying this. I'm just observing. If the company would be taking the loss on any food purchased on the cards not showing balances, Wheeling would only say that they monitored transactions during the outage. Victoria Shirley, KSLA, News 12. Now that Walmart spokesperson tells us they know their customers were counting on them during the outages and made the decision to continue accepting the EBT cards so that they could get food for their families. Oh, the give me a stinking break on that. Food for their families. So, yeah, they, they were going to let them steal untold thousands of dollars worth of food that they had EBT cards that would not even one lady had a 46 cent limit 46 cents on her card left 
But they need to go, because they're going to starve. No, they did it because they knew they could get away with it, and people were getting away with it, and they're thieves. And they proved that they were thieves, and they have no conscience about it at all. And it was a beta test done by the government and Walmart to see exactly what would happen in that particular scenario and what demographic of people would show up first to get the free stuff. And the results speak for themselves. So, I'm sorry, but that's what happened. And that is just one little tiny sliver of what's coming. Next report, Obama ready to shut down 16 U.S. states. It has never happened before in the history of the United States. We the people are watching a political game of chess unfold from our nation's leaders, and we are on the very brink of financial catastrophe like no other time since the nation's founding. When and if this occurs in a mere nine days on October 17th, which is a big, big, big day that has been mentioned quite a bit on multiple different levels. So many levels, I don't even know how to report on them all about October 17th. And this was mere nine days at the time of this writing, but on October 17th, President Obama is not looking to fix it, but rather shut down or terminate the charter of 16 U.S. states. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it could. The train wreck that is predicted with the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare, is being scheduled. Our national debt clock is ticking down like a time bomb. October 17th, for the first time in U.S. history, we may default on our loans. This is not a joke. Now, remember what we were just talking about, about defaulting on our loans and how that would institute a global financial collapse and martial law and all of the dominoes starting to fall? Yeah. Okay. October 17th is when the check to the outstanding accounts that we borrowed from to fund our Federal Reserve comes due to to countries like China, who President Obama borrowed over a trillion dollars from. You know, there's such wonderful examples for the public, you know. They're, they're in debt so to such an unbelievable level, you can't even fathom it. They're, they're such good examples for the general populace. And we wonder why the populace is so sick and twisted as well. When we have the government, the head, if the head is sick, the body's going to be sick collectively. If you're part of the body that is dependent on that sick, twisted, evil, big brother system we've got right now, then you're going to be sick too. You're going to be affected in some way, shape, or form if you're dependent upon evil for your very survival. I'm not saying that everybody like on welfare or whatever is evil. And I'm not saying that. But I'm saying a lot of people are, and it's very obvious that they are, as evidenced just by the little sliver of what we just saw. That's all by design, every bit of it. According to CNBC, the National Council of State Legislatures, the top 15 states to be victims of Obama's government shutdowns to to punish the people would be... um, Number 15, Oregon. Uh, 14, Pennsylvania, 13, Michigan. These are in order. Rhode Island, Indiana, New Mexico, Washington, Minnesota, New York, District of Columbia, uh, Vermont, Massachusetts, Tennessee, Maine, and number one is California. The 16th state could be a choice from any of the darker states. There's a map here you can look at here. These are um, uh, victims of Obama's government shutdowns. So we've got a lot of different states here that could be shut down very quickly. The 16th state could be a choice from any of the darker blue states, and then you can look at the map to see that, from Virginia, Florida to Alaska. It really does feel like this could be a very big deal. They love playing the brinksmanship game. For whatever reason, this administration has cut it cut it close on so many deadlines, it's ridiculous. The Republicans are definitely not helping, and in fact, it's rather obvious that they are all in cahoots with one another to create this chaos that we're about to be in for for their own ghoulish reasons. My comment, this is all theater for the further brainwashing and preoccupation of the American public as well. Uh, there is no left-right paradigm in America. It's been the same two ruling parties for more than 150 years. They have been 
they have both made their marks. They had their chances to do right, and look where uh, we were at. They both brought us here. They both are to blame, and they both know it. They're both all on the same side. They laugh at you every time you vote for them. So here's another report relating to this. Companies, consumers running up record debt. As Washington is struggling with debt and its political ramifications, American companies and consumers are embracing it, running up record amounts of debt in 2013. So we're all, collectively as a country, we're really all learning our our lesson. We're looking at big brother government just running, printing money out of thin air, QE to infinity, you know, borrowing trillions, you know, Every, all of the interest being sold to overseas, you know, China owning all this and, and all of these things. And, and the people are doing the same thing. They're looking at Big Brother. They're looking at Big Brother Satan. And they're saying, well, if, if it's good enough for Big Brother Satan, I'm going to do it. So the American companies and consumers are, are just embracing going into debt, running up record amounts in 2013. Whether it's corporate loans, all quality levels of bonds or simple consumer credit, the debt party is back on in the United States, whether it's the boardroom or the living room. Amid the financial crisis of 2008, the U.S. went on to what economists call a debt deleveraging cycle, akin to a credit hangover, where the party is ended and everyone there decides to quit drinking cold turkey. Someone has clearly turned the lights back on, though, and corporate and individual buying is soaring. Just, to me, this is just incomprehensible. Consumer credit, for instance, surged past the $3 trillion mark in the second quarter of 2013 and continues on an upward trajectory, according to the most recent numbers from the Federal Reserve. A $3.04 trillion, um, the total is up 22% over the last three years. Student loans are up a whopping 61%. Uh, total household debt, according to the Fed's flow of funds report, is $13 trillion. Nearly back to its pre-crisis level in 2007 and a shade below the government debt of $15 trillion. We have not solved anything when it comes to the deleveraging myth, said Michael Pinto, president of Pinto Portfolio Strategies. And he says, we have learned nothing. Yep, you're right, because if you let somebody get away with it, particularly if they're not biblically guided in any way, shape, or form, then they're just going to, if it feels good, do it, basically. You know, if they can get away with it, they're going to pretty much do it. And, you know, this is just further proof of that. Now, let's get into, I really wasn't planning on doing this, but I really thought that I think I need to mention this about debt. Christians and the curse of debt. Okay. Despite the promises of the hundredfold blessing for those who tithe and are manipulated and victimized into, quote, seed sowing by the slick Christian hucksters as they beg for, quote, gifts, the nagging problem of unending debt just seems to dog the folks that obediently reach into their wallets or purses. When we look at the blessing principle God gave in the first covenant, we see Deuteronomy 28. Verse 12, which says, The Lord will open unto thee his good treasure of the heavens, and to bless all the work of thy hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Next verse, And the Lord will make thee the head, and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if thou shalt hearken unto the commandments of Jehovah thy God. Hmm. So it sounds like to me that when God blesses you, you're in a position where you can lend, but you never borrow. That's a curse. We're going to see that. And when you're when you're in that position, the Lord will make you a head and not the tail, and you should be above only, and you will not be beneath. Doesn't sound like to me here, this is an endorsement for borrowing money. Maybe I'm just crazy, I don't know. Let's read on. Have you noticed the church just loves the, quote, blessings, but very few ever mention the curse? Let's pay, no pun intended, close attention to what God says about debt. We will start in Deuteronomy 28, and this is the this is verse 15 now, skipping ahead. But it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I have commanded thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee, 
and overtake thee. Wow, all these curses. Yeah. What's that say? Well, um, the, uh, verse 43 says, The sojourner that is in the midst of thee shall mount up above thee higher and higher, and thou shalt come down lower and lower. He shall lend unto thee, he shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. This is when you're under a curse. The Bible, God prefaces this in verse 15 and then goes on to give a laundry list of ways you can be cursed. These curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. The sojourner, the stranger, in this case some infidel, they're going to mount up higher and higher over you. And you're going to go lower and lower. And he shall lend to you, but you're not going to lend to him. He's going to be your head, and you're going to be his tail. That's a curse. This does not sound like an endorsement for getting in debt in any way, shape, or form to me. Let's pull the mask off borrowing in debt. It is clearly stated by God as if as one of the curses. But haven't we all been bit by that serpent? This is the author saying this. Let's go a bit further as we begin to pay attention to what God says. Okay, so continuing on here... Um, Proverbs 22, 7, the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Okay? The rich ruleth over the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. You, you borrow money, you're servant to that lender. Romans 13, 8, owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth hath fulfilled the law. How many of us read those verses and really never gave it much of a thought as to what we, as to when we finance that car, home remodel, new appliances that were charged, vacation or whatever else our soul lusted for? There is no self righteousness here, folks. We've been there and done that plenty, and I, I, I'm saying I've done this in the past as well. I've tried personally as much as I possibly can. I just have one school loan that I took out way before I was ever saved that I've still been paying on, you know. And because I walked away from the whole chiropractic thing that I was doing and I walked away from all that to be in full-time ministry, I just haven't been in a position where I can, not to say God hasn't taken care of us, but I just haven't been in a position where I can pay that thing off. Now, I'm not saying God couldn't turn around tomorrow and me have it to pay it off, but, you know, you still reap what you sow. There's still consequences for things you did before you got saved. And sometimes God lets these things happen so that you have a, you know, just like Paul when he had a, he had a thorn in his flesh that he asked God three times to take away and he says, my grace is sufficient. Sometimes he keeps those things in your life to keep you humble and, um, you know, things of this nature. So, to remind you, anyway, um... As a faithful tither for many years, this is the guy writing the article, 10% of our business goes gross went to the Old Testament storehouse, but there is no storehouse in the, in the New Testament. And some of you are saying, oh, no, no, now you're, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. We all need to tithe, right? We all need to 10% tithe, right? Yeah, right. Yep. Okay, what does the Bible say? I did a whole teaching on this. New Testament giving compared to the Old Testament Levitical tithe. Okay, what does it say? Well, I'm just going to read you the table of contents or the description of this teaching. You can click on, and it's going to be on page, I don't know, 13, 14 of the PDF for the study. In this study, we'll be doing a biblical comparison on New Testament giving compared to Old Testament Levitical tithing. In doing so, we must be, in doing so, um, I'm sorry, I kind of had a wrong word here. We... Okay, sorry, I had to modify that. In doing so, we will be looking at the following verses, among many more. Acts 15, 24. For as much as you have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying... Now, this is to the Gentiles. These are the, old, these are the New Testament Jewish apostles saying this to the Gentile converts. Okay, what do they say? 
For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us, meaning Jews, who wanted to go back into the law that Christ freed us from, okay, um, certain went out from among us that have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying, you must be circumcised, okay, to the Gentiles, and keep the law, okay, to whom we gave no such commandment. These are the apostles. We, they said, we didn't give you that commandment to be circumcised and keep the law. Well, that's part of the Old Testament Levitical law that they talk about in Malachi, where you bring the tithes into the storehouse. Okay, why? Why did they do that? To support the Levitical priesthood that did not work to not only maintain the temple, but so that they could survive as well, the Levitical priesthood. There was a real good reason for it. We don't have that now. We don't have a, a, a rebuilt temple and a Levitical priesthood. Totally. We don't have that. Well, we got pastors and all that. Yeah, okay, fine. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be compensated or, 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 or survive. I'm not saying that. But to browbeat somebody over the head with an Old Testament Levitical tithing thing that does not apply to the New Testament, I'm going to show you what the New Testament says about this subject. You're twisting scripture in order to get money coming into the church. Which I despise. Galatians 2.2, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Do you know what I mean? Many people are thinking they're earning their way to heaven by keeping the law, keeping the Sabbath, doing this, doing that, keeping Old Testament, Levitical stuff. There's huge swaths of people that would call themselves Christians, particularly in the Hebrew Roots Movement. you got the Seventh-day Adventists. You've got a lot of different flavors and sects of Messianic Christianity and things of this nature. Earning their way to heaven, man. Earning their way to heaven. Because they're better. Because they're, they're doing this and they're doing that and and, uh, you know, they're the only true people, that true Christians that have it all figured out. Key in Hebrew in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I've done so many studies on that subject that I've taken more flack for than probably any other teaching I've ever done. The Hebrew, exposing the Hebrew Roots Movement and the Sabbath Keepers. Philippians 3.9, and, um, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 15, 28 and 29. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. This is to the Gentiles. That you abstain from meats offered to idols. Now people, I've gotten some things, or I had an email the other day, and I meant to cover this, I'll, I'll just touch on this real quick, about people that are saying, well who cares if it's a halal meat from Muslim, uh, sacrificed to a Muslim, uh, where they say Allah Akbar is they're slaughtering the meat. Who cares? The Bible says that we can eat it whatever we want, okay? It says right here though that we shouldn't be doing that, especially if we know about it. They're saying they're not going to lay anything greater burden upon us than this, the Gentiles. What was the first thing I say? That you abstain from meats offered to idols. I don't think it's a good practice to get into eating halal, Muslim, ritually slaughtered meat. It's offered to an idol, the moon god, Allah. They say Allah Akbar as they're slitting the neck of whatever animal they're killing. Okay, I don't think that's a good habit to get into. I plan on trying to cover that a little bit more in depth in the near future, but I just wanted to lay I wanted to kind of mention that. Okay, and then from and from blood, we don't drink blood. There's no and they try to hide blood and all kind of stuff. That's the problem. Undercooked meat, sausages, um, you know, these types of things. They can hide blood in real easy. I mean, look at how they're trying to, you know, use the aborted fetal cell lines and like the PepsiCo products and then certain Nestle products. And then look at just who were the two 
the two we talked about before, where they're trying to disperse these nanodevices. They're trying to defile us all the time on a spiritual level. Well, how could even blood defile me? I don't really know, but we're not, we're commanded in the old and even in the new, you don't eat blood. Why do you think that's what vampires like to munch on? Because it's evil. It's the life of the body is in the blood. Vampiric, any kind of evil creature, why is it they always want to eat blood? Why is it that Satanists always want to cut people open when they're alive and, you know, cut their heart out and drink their blood? Why is that? Because it's evil. And they are of their father the devil, and of his lusts, and of his works, they will do. Satan knows that it defiles you when you drink or eat blood. It defiles you when you're eating meats offered to idols, to a certain extent. I'm not saying God can't protect you from that. I'm not saying God can't sanctify the food with prayer. But why would you want to get in the habit of doing that? So, you abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from because if you just strangle something, the blood stays in the meat. You're not kosher slaughtering methods and these types of things of getting the blood out of the meat. And from fornication, from which if you keep yourselves, ye shall do well. It doesn't say anything about tithing in there. Second Corinthians nine one. Here's where it talks about New Testament giving. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous, meaning it's more than necessary, for me to write to you. Meaning it's, this is something important. Touching the ministering to the saints, it is more than necessary, essentially, that I write to you. We skip ahead to verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Can't outgive God. And I do believe that. I really do believe that. I've seen it evidenced in my own life. And that has nothing to do with, you know, me being prosperity preacher or whatever. I just believe that you can't outgive God. Anyway, every man according as he hath, as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. That's New Testament giving. There's no Old Testament Levitical type. Does it say anything in here about building a big church building? Or having the pastors be literal multi, multi, multi millionaires like they brag about and have them flying around in jets like Creflo Give Me a Dollar and Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn and all these guys? Say anything about that? No. This is touching the ministering to the saints, not the filthy rich pastors, not the gigantic 501c3 church monument monuments that are on you know almost every corner in America. No, it's not about that. This is touching ministering to the saints. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart. Let the Holy Spirit guide you, in other words. So let him give. Not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So if you give grudgingly, or if you give to be seen among all men, verily you hath your reward, as the Bible says. It talks about when you give alms, not let, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing. If that's your motivation, then verily you have your reward. And you're supposed to do it cheerfully. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. He, now he that ministereth seed to the sower... Both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So you want to make sure you're sowing your seed into good ground, whether that's widows, orphans, the poor, worthy ministries, whatever. You just want to make sure you're putting that in good ground. And then they talk about you know multiplying your seed sown, increasing the fruits of your righteousness. If you're giving your money to Benny Hinn, Apparently you have, in fact, you have nothing. I would almost think you're going to bring a curse on yourself doing something like that. You're not going to get any. You're not going to get anything in heaven from that. <laughs> Why could Benny? Benny got a new, uh, um, uh, you know, some new Recaro leather seats or something installed in his, uh, you know, two hundred thousand dollar Mercedes because of you. 
That that's how could you how could that be as far as sowing good seed? <laughs> you got a absolute demon possessed, hell bound charlatan that you're giving your hard earned money to. I'm not judging you. I've been there. Down. I was in the Pentecostal movement. I gave a lot of, I sowed a lot of bad seed to a lot of hucksters and charlatans and devils. I admit it. Okay, but I don't do it anymore. So, going back to the main article here, okay, um, or the main article on the this Christians in debt, okay, as the American church capitalized on the prosperity gospel and tithing is now mainstream, greed and a lust for gain has taken over much of the church, from the pulpit to the pew. I mean, how many jets does an evangelist need? I think unlimited. Unlimited they need. Or... or Kenneth Copeland, what he's got, 70, 80 Harley-Davidson's or or bikes variations thereof, and he's got his own airport, and several jets, and he's a multi, 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 multi multi-millionaire. There's nothing too good for that old Satanist, you know? Nothing too good for him. Uh, That guy is so evil-looking, I can't even hardly stand to look at him. When I see him on film. And that clip I sent out the other day in an email where he was bragging about being multi, multi, you know, millionaire or whatever. Um, it's really disgusting. He's a Satanist. Most of these guys at that level are Satanists. You know. Can um, Toronto Blessing Unmasked online on YouTube? Those videos you'll see... Um, uh, I don't know, 10 hours of footage, were actually, were mine, I had, um, I sent them to a listener, and and he finally got them up online, and he put them up, because I didn't know how to do VHS to conversion to how to get them up online, but uh, they're probably some of the only tapes left on that subject, because I think they, they went after the guy putting the tapes out, and, um, they're the only ones... That granted, they're not the greatest quality on the planet, but you know we're talking the VHS here, and we're talking you know. Um, but I think when you watch ten hours of footage, you'll be convinced they're all Satanists. They're they're not just they're not just deceived. They're not just greedy. These guys are Satanists. They're slowing down the tongues. They're reversing the tongues. You're seeing. You're hearing what's really coming out. You're hearing what they're saying off camera, off mic. They think they're off mic. You're hearing stuff. These guys are pure evil at that level. The whole TBN crowd, Paul, Paul, the the stinking um, pedophile or, or, or homosexual crouch or whatever. Oh, that guy's evil. And you know, if the head is sick, the body. You know, it it just goes on and on. I don't talk a lot about that because I I mean those subjects are. I've talked about that in the past, but they're so vast. There's so many evil preachers out there. You would have to have a ministry just devoted to that one thing to try to even keep up with it all. And there's just more on the horizon, it seems like, every day. Stay grounded on the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King James Bible. And don't put your trust in man, because cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5. That's the whole lesson there. So, um, an $80 million church remodel, millionaire celebrity pastors, the list goes on and on. We could go on to list many and many scriptures which speak to our giving in um, meeting the needs of others, the majority of which the church has perverted to fund their own buildings and ministry kingdoms. Generally speaking, in a church, the, the smallest thing that a church will give its money to is benevolence. The poor, orphans, needy. That's normally, if it's even on the radar at all, that's typically the least thing that a church... A 501c3 corporate whore church will emphasize in any way, shape, or form. That'll be the last thing where the money goes. It'll be the least amount. And it should by far be the greatest thing. But no way. Not everything's everything's backwards in today's wonderful Laodicea and Revelation 3 church era. You know? I, I guess we should expect it. You know? Uh, regarding the warnings that Jesus Christ gave. Meanwhile, as we looked for our own miracle hundredfold blessing, we did a lot of things most American Christians did by buying comforts and cars and stuff, much of it on credit. 
We bought houses during the real estate run-up. We even did something I told everyone else never to do. We took a home equity loan on our home to buy an investment property in 2005. So they're going in debt so they can make investments. Uh, yes, we got a good financial spanking courtesy of the curse, the debt curse. And finally, we got the message, get out of debt. I could write the book, Debt for Dummies, but finally, praise God, we understood God really means what he says. Oh, no man anything means oh, no man anything, um, except to love them. So, how about all you tithe-loving preachers that hammer away at the folks, Malachi 3, 9 and 10, do you teach that debt is part of the curse as well? So, if the people are in debt, they are under the curse even when they tithe, in other words, are you going in debt to tithe? Are you taking out money so you can tithe? Are you going, I mean, that's just insane. God would not have you do that. He's not going to have you take out a loan, do something totally unbiblical, go in debt, be a slave to the lender so you can tithe. It's not even your money to tithe in the first place. If you think about it, if you borrowed it, that's insane. I'm not judging you if you've done that. I'm just saying it's not what you want to do. In fact, Paul wrote the Galatians Christians that if they tried to keep the law, they were under the curse. Galatians 3.10, For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. So you got to do them all. If you want to be justified by the law, you got to do them all and you got to be sinless. And nobody did that except Jesus Christ. So therefore, it's impossible to be justified by the law, particularly in this dispensation under Jesus Christ. Can't be done. And that Jesus said that tithing was of the matters of the law. Did you know that? He said that. Where? Matthew 23, 23. Let's read it. Matthew 23, 23, the first part. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is Jesus Christ talking. For ye pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, different spices, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. He's saying it's part of the law, but they've omitted the other weightier, more important matters of the law. They're straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel, in other words. What, what are the weightier matters of the law? He says judgment, mercy, and faith. Borrowing and debt are part of the curse. When we borrow, we go under the curse. And oppression. And we become a slave to the lender. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. These are things that you can be doing to get your prayers hindered. Borrow, borrow, borrow. You think that could affect your prayer life? I don't know what it's doing to you spiritually, but it can't be good. When we borrow, we go under the curse and oppression and we become slave to the lender. That is what happens when we transgress God's words and we go back under the law. What are some freebies that come with debt? Well, how about a sense of obligation? How about worry, anxiety, fear? How about greed? Lust for gain, gambling on the lottery in hope of deliverance. That's really biblical. How about economic slavery and the loss of spiritual liberty? How about bill pressures? The fact that if the payments are not made, repossessions can take place. How about the loss of the ability to give to others? How about binding the future to a pledge and a promise? How about family stress? Money problems break up probably more marriages than just about any other reason. The loss of huge amounts of money to interest charges as well. Now, what about the mortgage? Mortgage is a French word that means death contract. Mort, which is where we get the word mort, mortality, mortuary. Okay, mort means death. Gage means pledge or contract. Mortgage means death contract. That's what it means, okay? So, where does the word history come from? The 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 history of the word mortgage. The great jurist, Sir Edwin Edward Coke, who lived from 1552. Now, I added this in. This was not part of the original study that I'm quoting from. But I wanted to add this in because I wanted to... I've said this word that about mortgage before, but I wanted to really go in more, a little more depth here. Sir Edmund Coke, he's got invented Coke. And then there was uh, Wil, Wil, Wilford Pepsi. He invented Pepsi. No, I'm just kidding. I made that all up. Anyway, Sir Edwin Coke, who lived from 1552... 
1634 has explained why the term mortgage comes from the old French words mort, which means dead, and gage, which means pledge. Like I said, either means death contract or death pledge. It seemed to him that it had to do more with the doubtfulness of whether or not a mortgagor will pay the debt. If the mortgagor does not, then the land pledged to the mortgagee as security for the debt is taken from him forever and so dead to him upon that condition. That's how it got its name, the word mortgage. So, a little history there. There are more negatives to debt, but the bottom line is, is that the curse of debt is waiting for us when we give into the temptation to get what God has not provided Sadly, this is where the church has experienced its own Babylonian captivity. The world is very wise at luring Christians into the debt trap and bondage. We're bombarded with the world's message that debt and borrowing is a rosy rose, have a rosy road, having it all, the house, the SUV, the clothes, the travel, the good life. We recall some of the testimonies in church, how one family we had a, um, no, this is them talking, how one family had a new, beautiful new car, and how blessed they were to have it. Somehow it was never mentioned that there was 48 monthly payments and about $2,000 in interest, and probably a whole lot of money up front, um, also went along with this blessing. And in our old church, these same folks were lauded and blessed because they tithed faithfully. Again, you don't tithe to be seen among men. When I was like in that tithing mode in the church, I would give cash in the thing, and they would still know how much I gave. Because everybody else, you know how? In this, the, one of the last churches I was in, because I was the only one that gave cash. So they figured everybody else had it in the envelope with their name on it, okay? So that they, they could get their tax receipts at the end of the year, write it off on their IRS taxes, which is a totally unbiblical, unjust system, and the church would know exactly how much they're giving. <laughs> so, people that gave the most, and and they were they were lauded, and they were the ones that were um, talked up with from the pulpit. I mean, it's all so biblically wrong. I tried but I couldn't get around it because I was the only one that would give cash. <laughs> oh, my word. Anyway, that's that was part of my story. <laughs> Unbelievable. So they would still give me a thing at the end of the year that said exactly how much I gave. I couldn't get away from it. <gasps> oh, my word. Anyway, um, so, and then it says, so we did. In fact, we borrowed a mortgage to pay a tithe. To pay a tithe on a house that we were given. <laughs> oh no. In fact, the faithful tithers were usually publicly noted as examples to the church. I- I've been there, done it. Been there, done it. <clears throat> um, and only one family that we knew of was debt free in the whole church. What a pathetic state of affairs. What happens when our heart departs from God and we do not pay attention to his word to do? to his word to do it. Why the Lord simply gives us over the lust of our flesh and we start believing the TV ads and the business deals that we deserve the new Lexus. Proverbs 14, 14 says, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Remember, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end of the ways of death. What is that? That's trusting in your own heart. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. So, he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. We're not, to, we're not to be trust, we're not to be filled with our own ways and to trust in our own heart. Or to tr- put our trust in man either. You trust in the word of God. Mark 14, 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the less of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Chokes the word, the word of God. Those things when they enter in. First John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty stern there. Um, Proverbs 15.27 He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. Matthew 6.19-20 Lay not up your... 
for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through to steal. But lay up your, yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break in nor steal. 1 Timothy 6.5, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing, this is like your, your, your typical preacher, your, your typical 501c3 greedy of gain preacher, I should say. Men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. I can't tell you how many of these prosperity preachers I've heard that that would say the most blasphemous things in order to justify their unbiblical positions about, you know, basically saying that gain is godliness. Because I've got this jet, because I've got this huge church, because I've got this gigantic mansion I live in, I'm godly. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, hath nowhere to even lay his head. He didn't even have a house. You know, could he have? Sure. He didn't want it. He didn't ask for it. He didn't. He didn't pursue that. It wasn't important to him. You know, I understand. He is the ultimate example. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have houses or or, or 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 shelter and these types of things. I'm just saying that you know you can't use Jesus as that example. Is the point I'm trying to make for a prosperity preacher? But yet many have the audacity to do it. I've heard many of them say the most blasphemous things about. You know, Jesus, that he was, you know, actually really, really rich and he was, you know, whatever. Unbelievable. Um, so, going fur- further here. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's First Timothy 6.6. 6. So, we're su- supposed to withdraw ourselves from those that say that gain is godliness... But godliness with contentment is great gain. Proverbs 38. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. 2 Peter 3.3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. That's more the norm now than ever. And then regarding pastors, 1 Timothy 3.3, not given to wine. This is a qualification for a pastor, deacon, bishop, elder. These types of things are basically the same. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. Lucre meaning money, essentially. They're not greedy of it. But patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Isaiah 56.11, yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. This is about the pastors. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. Well, the Bible says if the blind leadeth the blind, they're both going to fall into a ditch. That's more the norm today. They're shepherds, but they don't understand. They've been brainwashed in the cemeteries, I mean the seminaries, you know, with their, with their NIV throwing out the King James Bible. They don't even have the Word of God. They've been saying, go, go, they've been told to go back, set up your 501c3, little IRS corporate government yoked up empire, bring all manner of worldly things into the church. I was listening to a guy the other day, an actual man of God, and um, he was talking to somebody, and I overheard the conversation. And he said, I have never seen anything like it. This guy, you could tell, was a real man of God. I actually talked to him afterward. And he said, I have never seen a sorrier bunch of men that call themselves men that are coming out of these seminaries now. He said, he mentioned a particular one, I don't know which one. He says, I wouldn't take, he said, I would probably take about 10% of those even think about bringing them because he had like a, a missionary ministry like to uh, uh things for africa um evangelization and feeding the poor and so i mean i i, I love this guy instantly uh anyway and he was just lamenting the sorriness of the church how sorry it had become how lukewarm watered down he's this guy probably not going to live very much longer he has all kind of health problems, heart stuff. I guess he had went to Africa five or six years ago. I think he 
caught something, got vaccinated, got way worse. His kidneys were, were shutting down. I mean, it was just, you name it. The guy's he's not going to live very much longer. Real, really, really, really poor health. But it was almost like God was letting me see this man. Those kind of guys, there's not very many of them left. I hate to say it. There's really not. And, and, and he was just tore up and distraught about what he is witnessing going on in the churches now. And he can't hold it back. Here he is on his last legs, essentially. Can barely hold back. I ended up giving him um, my... Um, I got his card and I ended up sending him. Because he's got MRSA. He had MRSA. And he says it's in his sinuses. Oh, yeah, he came back. He had to get surgery. I think on his sinuses for something... Ended up getting MRSA, multiple resistant staph aureus. I know how to get rid of that with, with the silver, the mild silver protein. And um, I wanted to send him some stuff on the health things. And I told him, I said, man, I wish you were, I wish guys like you were still in charge. And he was talking about the Bible college and he said, I wish if I could go back and do one thing different, I would have started my own Bible college. And I would I would not have let all this compromise come in. And, and um, I just, I loved him. I knew God put me there to hear to hear him. I just listened. I didn't, you know what I mean? It's like those kind of guys. This guy's like probably in his seventy. I just I just listen. I don't try to tell him any other than what I gave him some advice on health. I don't try to tell him. You know what I mean? I want I want to be respectful of of my elders and and of a of a of a, of a somebody I would consider a real pastor. You know been a pastor for a ton of years and then he was missionary and he, he said he'd been over been over there to Africa like 60 some times or something feeding the poor and, and, and ministering and, and getting people saved and I'm like oh my word I love this man you know what I mean and you know here he is on his last legs and it, I just there's very few people like him left and it's really really sad you know to think about it but this would be like this verse would be the exact opposite of a man like this, which is Isaiah fifty six eleven. Yea, they are greedy dogs, and this is the opposite, not not like him. They're greedy dogs, but this unfortunately is the norm. Greedy dogs which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. The seminaries or the cemeteries are turning out the sorriest product. And who do you think's behind that? Satan. You, if the Bible says if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Uh, Psalm 11, verse 8. Well, you get somebody in there, you tell them, yoke up with the government, you tell them the King James is not really the, the word of God. In fact, there's much better renderings, and it's all the, these other hodgepodge of watered-down devil Bibles. Bring the world in, whatever it takes, you know, to do. Okay, so it goes on to say then, they all look their own way to everyone for his own gain from his quarter. So, this is the norm. Okay? They're looking to their own way. It's all about me. Everyone, every, you know, it's all about number one. And, obviously, this happened in Isaiah's day, and history is just repeating itself. And so, this is what we're warned about it will be like in the end times. Let's face it, if the pastors were really doing their job, the church wouldn't be in the shape that it's in. So, anyway, um, then we have where um, this ends by saying, here's where the blessedness secret is found in these particular Bible verses. Romans 13, 8, we've already said this, but owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So, purpose and act now to get out of debt, repent of for borrowing, and whatever else the Lord shows you about this. Luke 11.28 But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Start today in obeying God's word to owe no one. And then um, Acts 20.35 I have showed you all things so how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So ask the Lord to show you where he wants you to give. Listen and wait upon him to speak. And you can add fasting in there if you like as well. So <clears throat> these are things that I think it's really important because I really haven't covered that subject. 
Now, actually, I segued off. Now I'm going to go back to the main report. We're almost done. I'm totally over time on this one as well. I'm only like halfway through the teaching, and I'm almost totally through my four hours. I'm almost to four hours right now on audio. So it's going good. It's going really good. Anyway, the impending failure of the federal government is now obvious to everyone. Even Ron Paul is now openly talking about the coming collapse of the U.S. empire, Mirroring the overnight collapse of the Soviet Empire in 1991, where the nation broke into 12 independent republics. Many people now believe the U.S. is headed for a similar outcome, and that such an outcome can virtually happen overnight. The crash of the EBT cards could be the tumbling domino that sets this in action. Again, I think that was just a small beta testing to see what's going to happen, what kind of react, what kind of outcome can we expect, and that's been done. So, nearly every state has already has a secessionist movement calling for independence. Um, and the Tenth Amendment Center is leading the charge on state nullification of federal tyranny. Groups like Oath Keepers are already to step in and help establish local law and order in the short-term chaos that would all follow a dissolution of the U.S. Empire. Of course, I think the New World Order has other plans. Anyway, today in America we have deeply indebted welfare state run by a corrupt cabal of tyrants who have no moral compass and no solutions. America has developed into a corrupt, bankrupt, incompetent government tyranny headed for imminent collapse. So I'm going to go ahead and end part three here. And I'm going to, I'm so far on time, I'm probably going to upload all these and then I'm going to come back with a fresh recorder where I can record more and go from there. So I will... See you in part four. God bless you.